We, should I go ahead and start? Yeah? Okay, cool. Oh, let's see. Is this? 2.45. Awesome. Okay. Um, welcome. Thank you guys for choosing this class. I'm really excited to, to share this with you. Are you waving at me right now? <laughs> it looked like you were. Um, so for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Danny Cruz. I lead the, the teens at Northview with my lovely wife, Katie, here. Um, before that, I actually led the teens with Katie in Athens, where I was a campus student for five and a half years. So when there is a will, there is a way, okay? So it took me forever to get done with school, but I finally did, and here I am. Okay, better for it. So anyways, I'm, I'm very excited, but I'm, I'm also very humbled to be able to, to lead this class for you guys. Um, the power of the cross is is amazing. Um, Jesus is one of the most inspirational, if to me, the most inspirational person that ever walked on this earth. And I'm just very humbled that I get to talk about his sacrifice and the power that comes from his cross as well. Um, so I will ask a few questions as well. So I want you guys, when I do ask, to, to speak up and don't be afraid to speak up, okay? Um, but before, I want to go ahead and pray. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear Father God, Thank you for just us being able to be here. Thank you for your son Jesus and his sacrifice. And uh, thank you for just the love that you give us, the forgiveness that you've given us, God. And I just pray that we can just continue to love one another just as your son did. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So when you hear the name Jesus, what are the things that come to, your, like, come to mind? When you hear the name Jesus, what are the things that come to mind? I want to hear it. Son of God? Yeah? What, wait. Salvation? The Bible? Okay. The cross? Yeah, what else? Is there anything else that comes to mind? Grace? It's awesome. Um, I think in order for you guys to really understand the cross, you have to understand who Jesus is. Right? So we don't have a lot of time to get into all of that. But if you are like... I don't fully understand the cross, read your Bible, <laughs> study out the Gospels, understand who Jesus is, get a, a much clearer, more full picture of who he is. But just for a few, um, or just for a few titles that he has, the Son of God, Son of Man, Bread of Life, Good Shepherd, The Way, The Truth, The Life, The True Vine, and The Messiah, Okay. So those are, in a nutshell, kind of like who Jesus is. Which I don't know about you guys, I have, I've had a couple of nicknames in my life, but no one's ever given me, like, any titles, you know? So, like, I think that's just pretty cool, just saying. So, he's a pretty cool dude. Now, rhetorically, what does the cross mean to you? I'm going to give you guys a second. What does the cross mean to you? Turn over to Isaiah 53. That's where we'll start. Because that's what we're talking about today, the cross. And I really hope 
that this paints a clearer picture for you. This is not your typical cross study, just so you know. So, like, I, we will talk about the crucifixion, things like that, but we're not going to go into all those details that you've normally heard that Jeff Warbaugh or Sonny or wh- whoever you've heard say those those lessons and preach those lessons, because those things are awesome. That's not what I'm honing in on this time. It's going to be a little different, but I hope all the same that it still convicts you. So, Isaiah 53, starting in verse 1, this is a prophecy about Jesus, okay? So this is what it says. It says, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him, or before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hid, uh, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took our, took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. So, it says that people despised him, right? Did you ever, do you ever think about Jesus as someone that people despised? But he was. Like, you usually were like, oh, Jesus, he's amazing, that's awesome. But people despised him, right? Have you ever walked into your high school or middle school and, like, mentioned Jesus or tried to, like, get spiritual with someone? What do they normally do? I know what I did. I'd be like, who is this guy, right? We don't want to give those people the time of day. People did the same thing with Jesus, right? It said that he was not much to look at, right? Basically, it's setting up this picture that he was just a pretty normal person. It was the complete opposite of what the Jews thought he was going to look like, right? And so they thought that their Messiah, their king, was going to probably come and look like, I don't know, who's like Nick Jonas? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Inside joke. I don't know. I don't know who you guys think is like the most attractive person or the most like feared king, but Jesus did not look like that, just so you know. People also didn't listen to him, right? Have you ever like given someone such golden wisdom or golden advice and yet they still didn't listen to you? It's like how your parents feel all the time when they tell you guys stuff. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. I'm being serious. Um, so, but people didn't listen to him. Imagine. You being the son of God, right, and no one listening to you. You're the one who's coming to save everyone, and no one is giving you the time of day. Man. So, Jesus knew who he was, though, right? He 
preaches that often. Who was Jesus? What? The Son of God. Jesus was the Son of God. He knew that, right? That was enough to get him through the day, right? He knew who he was before God. Do you know who you are today before God? Do you know where you are before God today? I don't know where you are. I don't. And I say this every time that I lead a lesson like this, because everyone is in a different spot. I've been in those seats, same as you, and some some lessons that I heard, it's like, man, it just convicted me, and some lessons, it's like, I don't even remember what that guy said, right? I don't know if you're wandering, if you're searching, if you're seeking, if you're lost, if you're struggling, hopefully... This message gets from here to here, all right? Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. We're talking about the power of the cross this afternoon. And I hope this puts something into perspective for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. This is what it says. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It says that the cross is the power of God. Again, I don't know where you're at today, but the cross, Jesus' sacrifice, is the power of God. Just let that sink in for a second. It's hard for us to think about that. Where does God's power come from? Where does it become real? Through the cross, right? So some of you think you're probably not good enough for God today. Some of you think you have to be perfect. You don't. You are good enough. Some of you think that you're too good for him or that you don't need him. Some of us are just lost and we're just kind of like, I'm just trying to find my way. I just wanted to let you guys know that the cross is the power of God. We are nothing without Jesus. Let's turn over to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Because that's kind of like a discouraging thing, right? We're nothing without Jesus. It's true, though. But here's why Jesus is just an amazing person. Take a seat. Thanks. All right. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. It says, You are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So, it says that you are all sons and daughters. Right? You get to be a child of God. Because of who? Be quiet. Because of who? Jesus. Awesome. Amen. You are a child. Your parents would do everything and anything for each and every single one of you. Right? They love you that much. Right? As much as you drive them crazy, as disrespectful as you are, they still love you. 
right? They still want what's best for you. And it's the same way uh, that God wants what's best for us, that God loves us significantly more than our parents do. And yet we get to have that relationship with God because of Jesus, right? So I want to get into, we're going to get into the meat of everything, okay? So follow me, all right? Hebrews chapter 9 you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to kind of summarize it up because it's a lot. Um, I encourage you all to go back and read it, though. Okay, Hebrews 9. Um, it's very good stuff, starting in verse uh, 11. We're not going to read it all. Um, but who, real quick, knows the difference, like one of the biggest differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament? You got to speak up. Okay, you had your hand up too. Oh, the rules are more severe, stricter. So, yep, Old Testament was before Jesus was born, New Testament was after. Yeah, the New Testament's definitely more about. Jesus' life and the impact he had on the world. Absolutely, it's good. So there are some different customs that they did back in the Old Testament, all right? They're ancient people, okay? So we're, you know, we have, we have no concept of some of this stuff. Just bear with me, okay? But it's important for you guys to understand this. So the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, they use a lot of ritual sacrifices, Right? We've read about that, right? They had, like, burnt offerings. They sacrificed a calf or things like that, like, happen often, okay? So they use these ritual sacrifices. Most importantly, animal sacrifices, all right? So like I said, it's weird. It's uncommon for us, but that was very common for them back then, okay? So, uh, I'm trying to make sure. The sacrifice consisted... Of killing the animal, okay? They did. It was a blood sacrifice. Right? This is very important for you guys to understand. Because what the blood of that animal did is that it atoned for our sin, okay? So an atonement is basically like a forgiveness or a pardon for our, our sins, right? It atoned. It took the place. God let that animal take the place of us then and there so that we can be forgiven of our sin, right? So it atoned for us. So it al- God allowed that animal to be a substitute to atone for my sins, to atone, atone for your sins. The priest then would use that blood to purify the temple and to make sure that it was not polluted by all the evilness and wickedness that comes from the world, Okay. It was a purification process, right? So we have atonement and we have purification, all right? Atonement because of the sacrifice of the lamb, atonement because of the blood, all right? Or purification because of the blood. So this is how people experienced the love, grace, and forgiveness of God. But as you all know, we are not perfect, right? People are not perfect. We are flawed. And so... It fulfills the prophet Isaiah 
when he talks about, you know, us being the one that put Jesus up on that cross, right? So we fell into that same thing. But Jesus, his death, it covers our debts, you guys. It covers the sin that we have. And he was a once and for all sacrifice so that we could live at peace with God and have this relationship because he has purified us and washed away our transgressions, sins, and iniquities. Okay? That's the power of Jesus. And it says in Hebrews 9, 26 and 28, I'm going to read. It says, Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the, since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once and for all, the end of the ages, do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once, and after that face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. It's awesome. If Jesus did not die for you, he didn't die for me, you would not be able to live and have life to the full just as God promised. That is the power of Jesus' blood, the power of his sacrifice. Jesus is the fulfillment that was promised. He's the fulfillment of the law, and his sacrifice was once and for all. So, we've established what the power of the cross is, right? God's power comes into effect through the cross. I want to tell you what it's not, all right? So you guys with me still? Yeah? Understanding? I know it's kind of confusing. It's good stuff, though. Plenty to read. Have your quiet times on as well. This is what it's not, okay? It's a little bit more practical. Let me give you an example of what is not the power of the cross. So social media, it's a funny thing, all right? How many of you guys got Instagram? I got Instagram too, but not that many. How many of you guys got Snapchat or Visco or Facebook or Twitter? I think we all kind of know a lot of those things, right? Or we know people who have social media outlets, and whether you have one or not, you vicariously live through your friends sometimes as well through their social media accounts. Well, there was an Instagram biography that I read, and I'm not going to say who it is because it doesn't matter, but this is what it said, all right? Their caption was, if we don't sin, Jesus died for nothing. That was the caption. If we don't sin, Jesus died for nothing. Yikes. Right? What if that was your mentality? Well, you know, if I don't get drunk at this party, Jesus died for nothing. Right? If I don't cuss out this person that I don't really like, Jesus died for nothing. Right? It's that mentality. It's just so backwards. And I think that's exactly how the devil wants us to think about Jesus and the cross. Right? Like, this is an example that I came up with. All right? If I continue to sin, it's fine because Jesus will always be there. Right? How many of us, rhetorical, have fallen into that trap? Right? If I continue, continue to sin, it's fine because Jesus will always be there. We begin to think about Jesus, okay? Just using this as a metaphor, right? We begin to think about Jesus as an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend or friend that we keep around in case you need attention, right? In case you need that attention because you're lonely or you're sad, 
right? They're always going to be there. Jesus, he's always going to be there. You know, and then what happens? We'll go to them when we're desperate because we're lonely and sad. We go to them in that feeling of desperation because we know they'll always be there. And once we've gotten our fill and feel better, we ditch them for the next thing. Right? We just let them go. And whether you've experienced that or not, amen, if you haven't experienced that, but we've all seen it in some way. Right? If this isn't you, amen, but we know that that is how it works sometimes in the world. Right? That's not how a relationship with Jesus works. Right? It's not like, you know, he's always there, and when I need him, I'm going to go and hang out with him. And then once I'm kind of like, you know, Adam, over you, you're not that much fun, I'm going to go find the next thing. It's not how it works, but that's how Satan wants it to work. Right? Jesus' sacrifice is so much more than just if we don't sin, Jesus died for nothing. I don't know about you guys, but that, like, really kind of scares me, you know, hearing that that's how a lot of people think. Turn over to Luke 9, if you don't mind. Let me get into more about Jesus. Starting in verse 23. It says, Then he said to them all, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life because of me will save it. So, we're going to break down the scripture a little bit. So, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself first. Okay, what are we denying out of ourselves? Right? For me, it is my selfishness. Man, sometimes I am lazy. I just, it's not even like I'm trying to be, like, sinful, right? I'm just like, I just, I just want to be lazy. You ever had a hard day, a long day at school, a lot of work, projects, people were mean, they're ugly, and then you get home, you sit on the couch just for, like, a second, and then, like, your mom or dad's like, okay, now I see that you're not doing anything, can you just go and, like, put the dishes away, and you're just like, no, <laughs> do it yourself. I would never say that to my mother. She terrified me, or my stepdad. But just saying, we've all had those moments, right, where it's like, okay, am I going to do the right thing, or am I just going to sit here and not do anything, right? Now, I know that's a, it's a very, like, bad example, but we've all been there, right? The right thing to do is to get up and serve out of respect. I'm just like, yes, I can do that. But we can get that way, especially spiritually, right? says, deny yourself, deny those tendencies, right? I'm a sinful person, right? When I, was, when I was your age, right, I struggled with a lot of different things. I swore a lot. Um, I lusted after girls often. I made fun of people. I judged them. I was an impure person. I, I struggled with things online, and I had to deny those things. Now, I've grown out of those habits, but to the core, those are the things that I've struggled with, right? I had to see the good in denying myself, right? Jesus says, you got to deny yourself those struggles, the flesh, the things that are enticing to us. Deny those things. Deny yourself. Then you can take up your cross, 
right? Now, let's talk about the cross, all right? So the cross is made out of wood, right? We all know that, right? It's made out of wood. Some pretty solid wood. Now, I'm five foot five. Technically, I'm five five and three quarters. Uh, I rounded up, I'm five six. So I'll take any inch that I can get. When you're short, you're just like, I want to be as tall as I possibly can be. And then I've, I've heard that when you're tall, you want to be, like, as low as possible because, like, everyone's like, why are you so tall? Anyways, um, wasn't my best joke. I'm sorry. Sorry. Tough crowd. Tough crowd. Um, I'm teasing, y'all. So I'm five foot five. I'm 170 pounds, okay, when I don't eat breakfast. No, I'm just kidding. I'm 170 pounds. So in order for me to hang on that cross, right, it would have to be at least six feet tall, Okay. Because I can't just, like, it can't just be five foot five or I'm not going to stand, be able to, like, stand up on that thing, right? It's got to be at least six feet tall, at least, if not taller. Now, it's a pretty solid piece of wood, so it would have to weigh enough to support someone who weighs 170 pounds, right? So this isn't this tiny little, like, two sticks together, there it is. No, this thing is huge, right? And Jesus says for us to carry it daily, this cross. Now, of course, he's not saying literally we have to, like, carry this giant piece of wood. It's figuratively. We know that. But what does the cross symbolize? Rhetorical. You don't have to answer. What does it symbolize, though? Well, then it symbolized death, right? If you were, like, on the cross, it was a death sentence, right? If anyone said crucifixion, you're done. All right, it was not a symbol of hope the way that we see it today. Why is that? Because Jesus changed that. It's awesome. It's a sign of hope. Back then it wasn't. So let's turn over to Galatians 6. Oh, it's good. You guys following me? Like I said, it used to be a symbol of death. Jesus changes it. Now it's a symbol of hope, right? The reason why it's a symbol of hope, Paul does a great job of summarizing right here. You know, Jesus transforms the meaning of the cross, and it's summed up perfectly. Galatians 6, starting in verse 14, it says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Right? What counts is a new creation. And that's how Jesus transformed the cross. Because it used to mean death, but we all know, what if the story ended there? What if Jesus just died, right? And there was no resurrection. Like, well, then the world would have won. Sin would have won. Yet, it doesn't end there. Right? He comes back. We know that. So Jesus takes this symbol of death and says, this is not the end. It is just the beginning. He conquers death. He turns that horrible cross into a sign of new life, and through his sacrifice, we're given this new life. 
So he says to carry it daily, right? So we got this cross. We're supposed to carry it daily. So I deny myself, and now I got to carry it daily. One, as a reminder, right, of who I used to be. So imagine me with this cross, right? I might just have this giant cross and just, like, throw it over it, all right? So it's a reminder of where I've been, who I've been, the sacrifice that Jesus made, but also I get to carry this thing around as a trophy, right? I get to carry this thing. You guys ever seen someone carry a trophy around? Remember when I was at camp? I was nine years old. I was, like, four foot five. Okay, I don't know if I was that short. I was pretty short, though, when I was, you know, nine years old. And I played in the three-on-three basketball tournament, and I was the only kid under, like, 13 who played in this tournament, right? And this counselor made up this medal that was the biggest heart award, and he gave it to me. And, like, I put it on, and I wore that thing because I was, like, I thought I was a champion. Like, I didn't want to take it off. Everyone's like, what's that medal for? Biggest heart award? They're like, that doesn't mean anything. Like, well, it means something to me. It was this trophy, right, that I had. And it's like, when you have trophies, it is just awesome. Well, Jesus is saying, you have this trophy now. Carry it, wear it, show it off proudly and loudly, right? In a way, I'm like, man, I just need to get a lot of wood polish and polish this little, this cross right here often, right? As a reminder, because you're no longer dead in your sins. You're alive through Christ, right? Carry that cross daily as a reminder. Just share with the world. Carry it proudly. It's your own personal trophy. I think it's awesome. Luke chapter 23, and then we're almost done. I'm doing really good on time. So, talking about this new creation, right? So we, we, got, we understand deny ourselves, get this trophy, carry it daily. Then you're really my disciples. No, <clears throat> let's talk about what Jesus did on that cross. So I want you, we're going to read about three people. One of them is Jesus, and there's two other people in the story. Okay? So I want you to put yourself in, in the shoes of these two other men. All right? So... We all know that Jesus is the sacrificial lamb, right? We've, you've heard that he was without sin, so he shouldn't have been on that cross or even being crucified in the first place, right? And yet he was still doing that so he can die for you, die for me, for all of us to have this opportunity to have a relationship with God. And there's these two other men who are just common criminals, right? They've been sentenced. I want you guys to, to listen to this interaction, all right? So, starting in verse 32, it says, Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they, were, they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And then he finished, he's saying this to the crowd. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he, was the, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. People still despising him, right, making fun of him. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. 
They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. So you got these two criminals, right? One of them is like, listen, like, if you're the son of God, save yourself and save us too, right? If you got all of this power inside of you, do something about it. Get me out of this mess. I think we do that a lot, right? Like, Jesus, God, get me out of this mess. <laughs> like, help me when we need him, when we're desperate, then we're like, all right, do something. And then the second they, like, God comes through or Jesus comes through and we feel that, we just kind of like, all right, I'm good, right? That criminal, he's like, just get me out, just get me down from here, please. Like, do something about it. Get me out of this hard situation so I can just go back to living my life. This other guy, though, he humbled himself before God. Are you going to humble yourself today before God? Or are you going to continue to think that it's foolish to follow Christ? Foolishness to believe in the cross. Now that's what one of these guys was doing. He even said, rescue yourself. The other man just said, hey, listen, we're getting what we deserve. This man, is, he's innocent. Like he stands up. For Jesus, And what is Jesus' response? He says, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. He saw that humility. Jesus sees this humility. And because this man took responsibility for where he was wrong, right, Jesus forgives him. And Jesus just wants us to take responsibility for ourselves and where we're at. You guys, deny yourself, carry your trophy, carry your cross, just follow me. Take responsibility for yourself and your actions. Luke 24, starting in verse 36. I want you guys, again, to believe in the power of the cross. Believe in the power of God, right? It doesn't end with him just dying on the cross. It ends here, starting in verse 36. While they were still talking about this, this is Luke 24, while they were still talking about this, this is his apostles, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Again, this is three days after his crucifixion as he's been resurrected and has come back. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. 
when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Isn't that amazing? He's eating fish after they witnessed him dying on the cross, right? They saw it, right? Three days later, here he is in their midst, and he's got these holes in his hand. He's got these marks in his feet, but he's sitting there with them eating fish. This is amazing, right? I'm just saying. I don't know about you, but I'm just like, it gives me chills. Verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. He taught them, right? It says right then and there, it says, this is what I told you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of the the prophet Moses, prophets and the Psalms. But imagine seeing that, being there, right? Like you saw Jesus die on that cross, he comes back, and you're just in such amazement and shock that you still can't believe, right? How many of you guys have had a moment where you knew God was reaching out after you? Where you knew, okay, if it wasn't for God, I might be here, or I might be doing this, or what? We've all had those moments, right? And sometimes we just, yes, we're amazed, but we don't do something about it. Right? I had plenty of those when I was your age. But it says that through the scripture, he taught them. He said he opened their minds so they can understand the scriptures. When you feel God reaching out after you, when you've gotten to know Jesus, open up the scriptures. That's when your heart is open. That's when your mind is open. And that's when you just feel Jesus and God moving in your lives. So, it says he taught them. Verse fifty said, when he had left them out, in, uh, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. When they worshipped him, uh, there they worshipped him, and then they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising. God. So, guys, the power of the cross, you get to become a new creation. Become transformed to Jesus' likeness. You can rise above your own sin, right? Rise above your own insecurities because you have God with you. You have Jesus with you. So let us praise God and Jesus for his sacrifice. And I'll pray for us. Thank you. Father, we love you so much. I pray that we can just continue to preach 
and proclaim the good news of your son. I pray that we can understand the power of the cross. I pray that it is no longer foolishness for us. I pray that we see our need for Jesus and understand the whys behind getting to to know him and getting to know you better. Lord, we thank you so much for your sacrifice. We love you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. So we still have 15 minutes, just so you know. So I encourage you guys, if you want, have a good conversation about what we just talked about. Um, Feel free to come and find me, you know, in the fellowship as well if you have any more questions.